that instantly makes it valuable because you can log in, you can see all your investments and ownership in one place on a single screen. And that saves you so much time that you would otherwise have to spend digging through Excel. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, I'm excited to have Jake Marmelstein. Jake, how are you doing today? Hi, Todd. I'm doing great today. Awesome. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing excellent. And you're in Hawaii today. Yes, sir. That, that's why today is such a special day. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. That's, that's great. Um, so when, like, we're going we're to talk a little bit about your business, um, which is, is Groundbreaker. And you, are, you own a software application or a software application that helps real estate investment firms automate workflows in fundraising, investor reporting, and investment management. Um, and, and you, you know, you're, you're well-versed in, you know, or, or talking with all the time, you know, GPs and LPs. And, and so we can kind of dive into that, but I, first I want to dive into your business. What is the software application? Like, give me, I gave like a super just generic intro to it. What exactly is your company? Uh, and then let's, I guess you can even start farther back if you want, just start with who yeah. you are, like, where'd you come from and how did you even get into this? Well, I, I appreciate the chance to explain the story because I think that behind every entrepreneur, there has to be a story. There has to be a why. And we start with the why. The why is that I went to a university in which I had all of these great experiences to be able to learn from some of the titans in the industry of hospitality and real estate. And I studied and I enjoyed it. I went to work in a REIT. I had the experience of doing a lot of the grunt work and underwriting and modeling financials, putting together pitch decks for investors. And it was a very exciting time um, because of all the transactions that we were able to see and do. But the systems well, that I was using. Date me that. When, when was that that you were? This was uh, like doing 2011, that? 2012. We were mm -hmm. in the recession. There was a lot of uh, yep. distressed assets. And I was working in the hospitality industry because I went to Cornell, mm -hmm. studied hotels. And so buying up mid scale hotels that um, were limited service and just needed a lot of CapEx. They might have been independent hotels and we would reflag them and we would buy them when the market was low, improve the property performance and then uh, be able to sell them after a seven year holding period. And that was all great. I loved the modeling, the, the, the idea of the recapitalization scenarios, um, working in Excel and email and PowerPoint. Uh, but I kind of like I kind of felt this sense that a lot of the work that I was doing at the time was really inefficient and I'm just about the worst employee you could ever have because I don't like just follow orders. I'm trying to think about how can I make this better and easier for the next person. And so with that mindset, um, I went off and I started working in technology and uh, I got a little bit of an experience doing that to be able to see that you can build new technology and you can invent new ways to be able to do things in a much more uh, streamlined manner. And that was kind of what I was missing when I graduated university was the technical skills and abilities to be able to invent and make things and kind of form the, the way that I wanted to work. 
And so that's the story really behind Groundbreaker was that I envisioned an easier way to be able to manage all the information and data. And I saw just the industry as a whole was working in Excel. And so uh, there was just, there had to be a better way to get that data into a more um, easy to use format where uh, the work would be easier. So Groundbreaker helps to make, um, it helps to get all your capitalization table organized. It helps investors to be able to access opportunities without having to go into their email and dig to find a PowerPoint presentation. Um, it's, it's a whole entire application meant for people who want to fundraise and manage their investors from one place. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, I, I, I love that you did that. You know, you said you're not, you're not the greatest employee, but actually you, you kind of are right. Cause you, you saw these issues and, when said, well, I'm going to create a more efficient and better way to do this, which is exactly what we want to do. Right. Uh, maybe you weren't a good employee for them because you ended up leaving, but <laughs> you ultimately made better improvements and, and made it better for people now coming down the line saying, Hey, how do I do this without just having these PowerPoints and Excels and just like bombarding people's email inbox? Cause that's the one thing. I noticed the biggest, you know, we just did a, a virtual conference. And one of the things I kept on telling the, my team is we can't bombard the speakers with a ton of emails. We just can't. We can't expect them to read every last email that we send because they're already bombarded. And then we can't just like be sending an email here, an email there and all that kind of stuff. So we got to be careful with it. Um so having yeah. this portal, having this spot, it is just super helpful to not bombarding people, right? And getting stuff lost. And then we got to go back and we got to search. Like, you, you know, that's an annoying thing. You, you know, you go, oh, I, you know, I saw that PowerPoint. I remember them sending it to me. Maybe even watched it one time and you want to go check it out again. Well, now I got to go search in my email and find it. Like, but if I have a e spot. Email is becoming inundated. Uh, people have an increased need for immediate um, gratification. There's so many things that are demanding our attention and yeah. it's just not okay to be communicating anymore. You have to be providing value and being useful and being actionable. And so if you give somebody something in an email and you ask them like, even like what, you know, when are you free to meet? I barely ever do that anymore. I have a link to my calendar that they can yep. click and then go schedule a meeting with me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like extrapolate that to the whole entire way of doing business. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great point. I, I'm the same way I used to all the time. Like, Hey, here are the three times where I can meet with you. And then you, you know, you type that in and it's like, well, not, not just got a calendar, like click on the calendar. My schedule is up. You pick a time and we're good. Like that's mm -hmm. it. I got a half an hour calendar. I got an hour calendar. Like you, that's it. We don't have to, we don't have to sit there and try to go back and forth 17 different times to try to pick a time uh, to meet. We can just do it in one time. So uh, efficiency is huge. So, so this company groundbreaker, now you guys found a problem, solved a problem. Where's the company at right now? Uh, what's it consist? What's it look like? Uh, let's dig a little deeper. Yeah, sure. I'm very excited right now with where the company is. We are growing. Um, 
month over month and adding new customers on board. And we've got 15 people and we're going to be growing to soon enough, we'll be at 20 people. We're hiring about one or two people a month at this point. Um, what we're seeing is that the people who are doing real estate syndication uh, and managing funds are now pretty aware that uh, the kind of technology that we're offering is available in the market. And we're continuing to drive value around that efficiency part of the equation, not just building its software and kind of latching on to the buzzwords that the industry has used to identify us, but really being innovative and making our solution easier to use and easier for people to understand. Um, so we do that. And then we also help to be more of like a partner to the companies that we're working with. So they can come on board and we can teach them how to use the software from day one. We have a whole onboarding program. We're have a team as well that's dedicated to getting their data into the system if they've been doing deals offline and they want to represent all their historical transactions in one place. And then uh, we have a customer advisory board that we've developed where we're taking in feedback from our customers and kind of carving our roadmap around some of the things that need to be done on the platform to make it easier to incorporate their ideas to take it to that next level um, in terms of the technology. But then the company also expands to you know, services, because we're in the industry, we know securities attorneys, uh, we know fund administrators, we're able to make the process of someone getting something launched that much faster, because we can leverage the connections that we built over the last five years that we've been in business to be able to make them uh, move and get things done and, you know, have favorable rates and not be taken advantage of. We've also got uh, people on the marketing side who help with lead generation and investor acquisition that we're partnered with. And uh, there's other companies that offer property management software services as well that we know of. And we're also looking at getting involved in financing and capital. So that's kind of a future vision of Groundbreaker, but eventually we'd like to help people to be able to raise capital more efficiently, have access to institutional programmatic capital. So, Jake, um, you know, you got this software and, and one, of the, one of the things I struggle with when I'm looking at, okay, do I, do I use this? Do I use that? Is how much time do I have to spend to learn how to use it? And how difficult is it then if I have to spend a lot of time, how difficult is it then for my investors to use it? How do you... How do you juggle? I mean, I can I can imagine that is difficult. I I know nothing about your very little about your business other than I use stuff, right? Uh, but but I know very little about setting that up. Like, how difficult is that to? You know, you've got you want this technology that's that's advanced that does has the bells and whistles, right? That can do what everybody's looking to do yet you want it to be super easy and user friendly so some uh, somebody like me who is resistant to spending a ton of time learning the program i i i'm not going to use it if i have to spend you know a 15 hours learning how to use it 30 hours learning how to use it i just am not so how do you juggle that that's got to be a little difficult yeah, that's a big um, that's a that's a big important point. Actually, both of them in that how do we get the 
general partners who are the end users to really understand how they're going to get value from the solution and do that in the shortest amount of time possible. And also, how do we make them comfortable enough and their investors comfortable enough to log in and be using the solution and getting value from it as well? So in the value equation, when we start onboarding their data from historical transactions into the software, that instantly makes it valuable because you can log in and you can see all your investments and ownership in one place on a single screen. And that saves you so much time that you would otherwise have to spend digging through Excel. Um, but in terms of learning the solution and getting ramped up on it, one, uh, we make it very intuitive. It's really clean. The design is simple. So it's just easy for somebody to understand because it's built with that eye towards um, like making software easy. Even if you open Gmail for the first time, you'd probably be lost, but you could kind of figure out how to use it by looking at the buttons and the way that things are organized. And you might kind of associate how to do things because of the way that it's presented on the page. So we try to do that really, really well to begin with. But then we also have product tours that are embedded into the software. So they'll show you little tool tips and hints on where to go, where to click. And then we have a product support team and an onboarding team that takes you through during that first onboarding experience. You get like an hour call and then you can follow up and go through like what are the new things that you have to handle. It will require, I think, at this stage because it's such a new technology and you're going into an industry where people are typically not that savvy with technology. You have to have some, um, you know, some level of effort to really use the tool and understand how to use it. But it's our job as a business to make that easier. So we're definitely going to be doing things um, in the next 12 months where we, we might even have inside of the dashboard itself. Here's a task for you. You have to hook up your bank account. So now yeah. you can start to do the um, electronic transfers, which we offer. It's not abundantly clear that that's buried into, you know, the investment entity section of the software where you have to click on a button to find it. But if we create that task for the user, then they can jump right to it and they don't even need to know how to navigate. So it's really our job to make that in-app experience easy for people. And then in the meantime, while we're continuing to build and refine that, we're just providing all those support services around it. So we don't leave people on their own to their own devices. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. Um, let's pivot a little bit to your business. You know, you built this business. Um, let's talk about the teams and let's talk about how, how you've been able to build and grow this. You you mentioned you have 15, I think people working for you, if I remember right, you know, how, how did you grow and scale this business? And what do you, what are some of the tips that we can take from that experience? Yeah. I think for the people who are listening to this call, they probably have smaller teams than what I have, and they'll get to the point where they may grow and have teams as large as this. So I want to focus my answer on really the early days and defining what your mission, vision, and values are in your company culture, because that is so important to finding the right people and building the right business on a foundation uh, that's aligned with who you are. Okay. So... I think in the early days, um, you really have to be very passionate and excited about what you're doing um, and to be you know, generous enough to share that vision and that passion with other people and make it meaningful for them. Because the kinds of people who are going to join a company in the early days are the ones that want to create impact. 
Yeah. Otherwise, they would much rather join a company that has uh, a much more stable paycheck and career trajectory um, than yours. But if you give them so much autonomy and ability to create their own path, but also inside of a company that has an exciting vision and purpose, um, then you're going to find some of the best people to be able to work with you. And um, those people will define your company culture. So you have to select them carefully and be clear with some of the things that are uh, great that you want to be able to promote and some of the things you want to stay away from um, in terms of like the, the kinds of character uh, you're looking at. Like outside of uh, the passion and, uh, and the autonomy, like those are key characteristics, but we also have very frank and open conversations because yeah. I'm a pretty direct guy, so I don't beat around the bush. And if I sense that I'm getting, you know, not an authentic uh, interaction with somebody, then it's pretty easy to, you know, um, to, to, to stay away from. So I think your personality comes through in terms of uh, the kinds of people that you will attract in the early days. And then it's like giving, really giving those people the room and ownership to be able to build the, the, the culture of the company and incorporating them into the process of what kinds of characteristics you're looking for as you add more people into the team. That, that, that last point is so valuable. I mean, it's, it's so easy to like, it's so easy to hire somebody or bring somebody onto your team and then try to control everything. Right. Cause you uh, at least as an entrepreneur or, or maybe it's just my crazy personality, but it's like, Oh, I can do, no, I, I know how us. to do this. Right. I know how mm -hmm. to do this. And you, they do the, somebody who you hired did it, some, did it a different or is taking too long and you just step in and go here, this is how you, you basically, you do it for them, undermine their creativity, undermine the progress that they've made. And now they feel like, okay, well, I, I, I need to make sure I'm doing it this way. And I need, you know, and then when I have a problem, why, you know, I, I can't solve it. I have to just get it answered. Right. So you're just undermining what you're trying to ultimately achieve, which is handing things off to your team and letting them actually take ownership and, and do it and do it the right way. And also a little bit their way too. Yeah, I find that um, it's a process to get to that level where you really trust people to execute. Um, some, you know, some people do it with systems and the ability to review the work. Yep. There's different management styles out there. Um, some people do it by breathing down their employees' necks. And uh, some people are totally like hands off and don't really get involved. Uh, but if you're any, if you're an entrepreneur, then you started as an operator, you had to do the work yourself and you're probably a perfectionist. So you really care about the craft and the way that people are perceiving you yep. um, based on the way you present yourself. So letting go is not an easy task. Yeah, it's not. It's not. I, I've heard it so many times by, you know, I speak to a lot of 
uh, multifamily property owners and I don't manage any of my own properties. I hire third-party property management. I buy properties out of state. Um, I don't do things the kind of old school traditional way. And I get a lot of the, especially the old school traditional investors are like, well, how do you do that? You, you can't like, they don't, they don't care about your properties like you do. They, and it's like, well, you know, maybe they don't. However, I can't do everything. Like I just can't. And so I can control the processes and the systems and I can, I can guide and help grow. But if I try to do everything, well, I'm stuck, right? I'm stuck in at certain level um, and you just can't continue to grow. But yeah, so many people are like, Oh, you can't, you can't do that. You have to be completely involved in your business and it's hard to give up. It, it really is. So one of the things that I've been doing lately to help to get, further uh, out of the weeds of the business, but to also continue to have a structure around quality and also transparency is we use, uh, we use this tool called Jira and Confluence. It's a Atla Atlassian product. Um, and it all started with engineering because the engineers have to design what type of work they're doing and they write it into cards and then they go and work on it and it follows a Kanban board and gets moved through. But we started to do that across the company. And so I can log in and I can see, as long as people keep that content up to date, I can see what everybody's doing in every department of the business, the hmm. small tasks, as well as the large projects they're working on. And in Confluence, I can um, document our processes. So instead of just leaving things up to chance, uh, and having a, a verbal every time I need to establish something or to reprimand, uh, it's a word I, I don't really use with my team or reprimand anyone, but just the creation of processes vis-a-vis -vis frameworks and standard operating procedures, I think is really powerful yep. as, yeah. And, and as you grow, you, you, you know, as the, as the, uh, executive, you know, you find more of your time is spent dealing with people, collaborating and getting feedback from them, and then taking that to be able to make the frameworks better so that they can take those frameworks and run with them. Yeah. Yeah. For, for sure. Um, I, and yeah, I, you know, having, having that, I mean, that, uh, those, those systems processes or whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, you talk about allowing your employees to be able to make mistakes and grow and, and you, but you still do need to have things in place. Otherwise uh, it's like the wild west, you know, it's not, it's not going to get done. Um, yeah. Just the small, small enhancements and iterations to a process. Yeah. Like we could spend, say 10 hours of our team time trying to vet candidates, but maybe we're wasting five of those hours vetting the wrong people. Mm -hmm. So we learn from that and we say, what did we do wrong? How did we let those people in that weren't qualified to begin with? Okay, well, let's add the step in so we can have a better vetting process. Yep. And then you get incrementally better and better, you know? Yep. Love it. Um, I'd be intrigued to see a way that I can do like one-on-ones with people in my team where it doesn't take as much time as it does because the more people you add and the more one-on-ones you have you just can suck up a whole entire day 
having those meetings and they're meaningful and important to me to be able to meet with folks. But I'd, I'd love to get my head wrapped around uh, feedback and how to collect feedback in a more efficient way. Yeah. And that, obviously that's a challenge as a company grows, you know, you look at some bigger companies and they've got the, you know, you got the, your sales uh, manager and you've got your, you know, you got all these managers, right. And they're the ones that connect with the, the groups of employees. And then as the CEO, you're just connecting more with the manager. So it, does, it definitely gets challenging because mm-hmm. how do you do it where you talk to everybody, which is important in your company, but yet at the same time, I mean, you only have a certain amount of time in your day. You can't, as you grow, ultimately you're going to have to continue to give stuff up. So it's, it, there's always that push pull uh, to try to figure out where to go next. Yeah. Um, challenge. So, so let's, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, some mistakes that you made along the way. Maybe, maybe pick out one mistake uh, that you made that you really were able to learn from something that you can give to our audience that you think they could maybe learn from as well. Oh boy. Yeah. There's one I've been stewing on lately that uh, made a big impact on me. And I don't think I've ever mentioned this on a podcast. So <laughs> I love it. Let's we'll do it. Some unique content for you. So back in 2017, I met a mentor who met in San Francisco. Uh, he was 30 years older than me about and had sold several successful businesses. And uh, we spoke for a long time on our first meeting. We had a great connection with each other. And over the next few months, we were in touch and there was this plan to meet up again and consider something that would be greater and uh, flew out to Los Angeles, his beach house, beautiful house, right, right up on the beach in a beautiful part of LA. And, uh, you know, we're talking about having him become more involved in the company. when I was considering this opportunity, I was doing my due diligence, talking to people that he had worked with, um, and I was seriously giving it some thought. I was thinking about even moving the company over to LA instead of going to Chicago. What I ended up doing after he told me the number that he wanted to be involved in the company was I thought about how that wasn't you know, market or that wasn't, uh, you know, fair according to what I was led to believe. And I also thought about how I wanted to make Groundbreaker a home run success. And at some point the company would be so successful that I'm never going to have to work again. Um, and that this would be a threat to that success in a way because I would give up a large portion of my ownership to this person. And so I didn't do it. I went back to where I was. And uh, that was a mistake that I um, will regret until the story is um, one of massive success. But it's one that um, has stuck with me. He ended up becoming a mentor and advisor to me and staying on board to help. 
Um, and uh, we still have a great relationship to this day. What I learned and internalized from that was that you don't have to look at everything as this win or, or win or lose scenario. Um, there's so many opportunities in life to be successful. And the major win that would come out of that for me, which I think I was resistant against at the time, um, was that I could take in a incredible mentorship opportunity that would be very close and would help me to become better as an executive. And even if I would make less money uh, at the end of the day with my current endeavor, that it would be a home run success to be under his mentorship and get his, so, his years of experience to get that much faster and smarter and better in a shorter period of time. Um, instead of looking at it with the financial and monetary uh, result, and then also seeing that as a win or lose scenario. So uh, folks who are, you know, starting your first venture or getting involved in something that, you know, is the first chance that you think is going to be super successful, I'd say um, just get to success faster and don't worry about how big the pie is, because if you just get to that success faster and you do it, then the next one is going to be so much easier. You'll own more of the pie, possibly. You'll have more satisfaction. You'll get better as an executive. And, uh, and you know, those opportunities are rare and people should, uh, people should really pay attention to them when you have the chance for mentorship. Um, it can make a huge impact in your life. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's really, really great advice. You know, look, you, you don't need that whole pie. I right? you don't have to go at this alone. I, and I get your, I, I completely understand where you came from there. I've had those many of those same internal thoughts uh, many of times like, well, do I really want to give this portion up? Why would I could easily just do it myself? Uh, but every time I've taken that opportunity to partner with other people, it's, 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 it turns out better than what you would have expected and likely better than if you would have just tried to do it alone. So yeah, you, you don't need that whole pile. Like you say, you, you don't, you don't need it all. Sometimes it's better to give up a little or even a lot in order to gain a lot more in order to have that experience and be able to do it better the next time. Um, you know, get those introductions, get the, the, you know, use and leverage the other people in order to just completely change the trajectory of, of the company um, and where you're at. So uh, huge, huge uh, and great advice, I think. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm happy, you know, happy that I've gone, gone through that, um, and, uh, and really learned from it. So the, the opportunity to, to partner with people who are the right people always makes you better. And it's not the end result. It's like, it's the yeah. journey and what you learn from it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So what's, um, what someone who's trying to get to that next level, they, like what's, what's one or two things or th maybe three things you can share? Like, wh what do you need to do? What are some habits? What are some things that you do 
uh, to set you up for success. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the habits, habits are, uh, really important to be able to be successful. It's, it's kind of like getting into a regiment that satisfies the things that you need. Uh, so let me just talk about the things that you need to be successful and to, um, and this really comes from just regulation of the self. Um, people who are able to um, see the big picture and, uh, and, and reflect on what's going on are in more control of the outcome that they want. So, and, and, and if we can build our habits around that, then I think we can be successful, more successful, more often. Um, and it's the things that draw us into being more, uh, being less aware uh, that prolong the struggle to reaching success um, or cause us to miss opportunities. So everyone's different. For me, it's being out in nature. It's being able to take a trip to Hawaii. It's like the chance to get away and be in a place that's naturally beautiful so that I can have time um, to appreciate the other things in life. Um, mm. And I'm not, you know, and, and like physically being outside of where my, where I am for a period of time really does help. Um, my mind get like more free. Physical exercise is extremely important to me. So um, it doesn't mean you have to go into the gym and lift weights. Uh, you can go on a run, go biking, go hiking, whatever it is that you do. Um, but to have that, I think reinforces that space um, in your mind to create more awareness and reflection. Um, and then also uh, what has really helped me is spending a little bit of time each day to do reading or play music. Uh, well, none of these have to do with work. It's just giving yourself time to be able to get more into something that you love. And I like reading about psychology uh, so there's a book I'm reading now uh, called The Seasons of a Man's Life. And it is just a mind-blowing read and helps me to be more aware of what I'm going through as a person. Uh, and then like the music, you know, stimulates um, being able to, to, to play some music, like stimulates this creative and artistic side of me that uh, helps me also. So awesome. So a um, couple last questions before we wrap up. First, how do you like to give back? What do you, what do you like to do? What do you like to uh, be a part of? My main way of giving back is, uh, is telling other entrepreneurs uh, what mistakes not to make. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of them, right? We all make them. Yeah. yeah. So I do a few different um, like advisor calls with several companies and just I enjoy helping out in that way. 
Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Um, super valuable, right? We can all learn from each other's mistakes. Uh, we all make them. And man, if you, if you can just take a little bit of advice, if you can take people's mistakes and just use those, you're going <laughs> to, you can crush it in business because there's so many mistakes and, and a lot of them are the same, kind of the same, right? Mm-hmm. The same. You can probably bundle them in about a dozen main, you know, categories and, and that's it, you know? So, uh, what's a favorite book that you can pass on to our listeners? Well, I know that I mentioned one already. Um, but there's one that I like, uh, if you're, you know, just looking for something that's like easy reading, that's going to feel good. Then I like the count of Monte Cristo. Uh, yeah. Story like from like a, a, a riches to rags to riches story. So nothing like that to give you a little motivation. It's mystical. <laughs> it's got history during the, like the French revolution and stuff. So cool. Cool. Uh, last question uh, before we wrap up, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Okay. Um, can you help me with that? What's uh, what's a pillar I mean, of wealth creation? Of. Um, you, you can define it how you want. Look, some people say, "Hey, I, uh, I wanted to find more tangible stuff." So you know, buy real estate, buy whatever. Um, some people's more uh, mindset stuff, so or mm-hmm. more strategy. Uh, so whatever's important to you, honestly, that's what we're looking for. So three pillars. What are they? All right. Um, yeah say there's uh there's wealth in communication and in uh in languages so i keep up learning you know continuing to learn and improve my spanish and portuguese i can communicate more with the world that way uh, that's wealth to me yeah. uh, family I spend four weeks every year with family no matter what so i like to be close to my family yeah. even though i live far away uh and um the other one is, um, oh, yeah, <laughs> got to be some financial wealth in there, but I don't really, that doesn't come to mind. <laughs> it, it, it does. It, and that's the beauty of the question. Like it doesn't have yeah. to be financially. It, it has, it, it's what you think, what, how you do, everybody defines wealth so differently, right? Some people define wealth as just monetary some people don't think it has anything to do with money. No, it doesn't to me. Yeah. I think the last one is travel. Um, and, uh, like being able to go outside of my element, uh, being able to go outside of the element and just, you know, dedicate yourself to being, you know, being somewhere new that oftentimes uh, in a tropical environment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, in one of, probably a defining thing for me is like, you always got to be stretching, right? You always got to be uncomfortable. You always got to be doing something new. So traveling, uh, provide some of that experience, right? I mean, how many times you go to a different country or a different place, even if it's in the U S and it's, things are different. Uh, you got to experience different things. You got to learn about different, um, things you've got to, you know, you're, you're kind of set yourself up for needing to stretch your brain a little bit on every, every single trip. Unless you just stay at the resort and do nothing, but 
that's not how I travel. Probably not how you travel either. I'm the kind of guy that would ask a stranger for directions, even yep. though I have a phone that can figure out everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, cool. Um, Jake, look, I, I appreciate it a lot to pull from this episode. What's uh what's a best way for our listeners to connect with you? How can they learn about your software? How can they connect? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm very responsive on uh, email, jake at groundbreaker.co. You can go to groundbreaker.co website. And if you're interested in the software, we've got demo videos that are live and a product tour that live you can click around on. Um, if you feel like adding me on LinkedIn, you can look my name up, Jake Marmelstein. Just send me a message and mention that you heard about me on the podcast. So I know that it's not just spam. We, we get yeah, a lot of requests right. these days from people <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Awesome. Well, Jake, again, I appreciate it. We'll put that uh, stuff on the on the show notes so people can just click and link right to you. Uh, and appreciate your time. A lot, ton of value you're able to add. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Todd. It's been fun. Yeah. Have a good rest of the day. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like, uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out. And, uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.